Thank you very much, um, Nadia. Can I ask the opening panel to come forward, please? Johan, Greg, Pearl. As Nadia says, long live radio, long live. Well, it does, doesn't it? I mean, that's one of the what's that's the point. And I mean, I suppose one of the one of the really interesting things about these exercises, and specifically, you know, um, Professor Cooper's input made me kind of think about that, is that one of the things that universities should be doing is offering the kind of intellectual kind of input into the thinking around this medium, and often it kind of gets lost, I think, even in academic um, context. Um, anyway, let's move along. So, once again, welcome. Um, before we move into the substance of the day, um, I thought that it was appropriate for us to note um, the absence of somebody from a panel that is scheduled a little bit later on. And that person is Suna Fenter. Um, she was one of the SABC 8. She died last week really unexpectedly and, and, and tragically. Um, and I thought it was appropriate to, in a sense, start the proceedings uh, with just a moment of silence for her, as well as for Zam Ambalo, who was a camera person, who also died at quite a young age. Um, and both of them and their legacies and their families, I think, are much in our thoughts. So I'm just going to pause, just give us a moment of silence, and then we'll move on. Thank you very much. Um, so the theme for the three days is future tuned. And of course, it invites the question, well, are we tuned to the future as radio people? Or what do we need to do to be tuned to the future? And I'm really looking forward to the next few days of discussion and input and in exchange, both formally and informally, um, that, that will address this and many other questions. I was privileged um, earlier this year in March to address the other big conference, um, the much bigger conference, our big brother or sister, as you like, Radio Days Europe in Amsterdam. It was this year um, in March. Um, and it really is an enormous event. There were about 1,400 people there um, and exhibitions and an enormous amount of input and talks and so on. And there were some really interesting themes that emerged. Um, for me particularly. A lot of it was very mainstream. There was a big emphasis on analytics, on understanding our audiences better. And two points that both um, uh, Tawana and Nadia have made, I mean, it does speak to how <coughs> certainly in the first world, in, in the north, the global north, um, you know, the, the kind of drivers of these events and the drivers of, of, of the discussion are very much mainstream and they're very much uh, around a quite a privileged set of audiences. Our agenda here is broader, and I think that's what makes this quite an interesting event. There, are, there is a range of extra issues that didn't come up in Amsterdam at all that I think are important to us here, um, and I think that's one of the strengths of this kind of event. Let me tell you about another session that unfortunately won't take place for visa reasons. Um, we have on our program uh, presentations of two exiled radio projects from Burundi who operate currently from Kigali. And what is so interesting about them is that they, um, they, were, uh, they, they were forced to flee in 2015 from Burundi after the political, in the course of the political crisis there, and they set up shop in Kigali, which is really incredibly close. Um, uh, and they now broadcast on WhatsApp. So they produce a daily news show of about 20 to 30 minutes, and they send it out as an audio file to a first range of, 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 of um, subscribers, because, of course, as you know, WhatsApp has a limit of about 256 to, to the number of people that you can have in a group, and then it gets, moves from there onwards. Their audience for the two programs, the two projects, are 400,000 and 300,000 each. Um, that's a significant audience, right? On a distribution channel that is utterly unconventional. I'm unaware of anybody else who has done that. Unfortunately, visa issues and paperwork issues, you can understand that people who are in exile also have tr troubles with passports and visas and the like. 
have prevented them from, from traveling to us. But I, at least I take this opportunity to mention them. Um, as one of the, one of the examples of way, the ways in which um, you know, there are extra issues that we deal with as African radio people. So the one theme, of course, is political, right? I mean, these people were driven into exile. And similarly here, we have ongoing issues around the SABC, which, um, which we will be discussing and which impinge on the quality of the public broadcasting that people are getting um, in various ways. Um, the other aspect of the political, and I think that's another thing that we need to bear in mind, is, and, and I was really struck by that yesterday at a meeting that I attended, is how powerfully local politics impinge on local radio stations. I mean, in this country and many other African countries, local radio is big, but it is therefore not necessarily empowered to do the kind of work of building democracy that, that Tawana mentioned earlier. Local politics are really constraining um, the ability of community radio stations in many countries, certainly here and some others that I'm aware of, um, to do that kind of work. There are other issues as well, skills challenges and so on and so forth, but it's something that we really need to focus on, I think, is to understand how things work at that kind of local level. Then, of course, there's the way in which this Burundi group is using new media, WhatsApp in this case, and of course, I think the ways in which new media plays itself out in the Af among African audiences, in some sense, is quite different um, to the way in which we see it elsewhere. Um, we've leapfrogged straight onto mobile in a very big way. And I was struck also to see that the latest research from the Broadcast, Broadcast Research Council shows that 36% of radio listening in South Africa is now on cell phones. 36%. A lot of programmers go around talking about breakfast shows as being about people sitting in traffic, or listening on their car radios. Not so, actually. The biggest device is the traditional FM receiver, then comes the cell phone. Admittedly, that's FM still, I think. Most of that cell phone listening is on FM. And then the car radio is, comes third. So the way in which mobile works, I think, on this continent is quite different um, to, to, and much more powerful um, than, than it is elsewhere. So, of course, audiences here do have new choices. There are streaming stations, and I mean, later in the week we will be hearing from the, the big new players um, in the streaming radio space. I do think that those claims are, need to be looked at quite closely. I'm not sure that mm -hmm. the streaming radio space is nearly as big as mm -hmm. is sometimes made out to be. Mm -hmm. I see there's some agreement mm -hmm. over there. But then you would, wouldn't you? <laughs> you're, the, you're the FM jockeys still. So. But nevertheless, yeah, I mean, maybe. I think that it's interesting and it's new and it certainly adds to the range. I'm also particularly interested in podcasting mm. um, because I think, not that podcasting is big in terms of audiences, but I think what is mm. interesting about podcasting is that it is a new, it, it has a new relationship to its audience. Mm. Streaming in, in, in many ways is the same as FM in the sense that it fits into our lives in a similar way. Mm -hmm. We dip in, we dip out, we're kind of half engaged. Podcasting is much more directed, it's much more focused, it's much more deliberate. But it is quite small. Um, so you will know that later, um, in, uh, tomorrow afternoon, I think there is a, the first pod podcasting meeting that we will be hosting and we'll see where that, that goes. And still, many things remain the same in all this brave new world, right? I mean. It's about connecting with audiences. I mean, ultimately, you know, I mean, the, the phrase content is king is, is such a truism. It's such a kind of cliche, really, but it's true. Um, and really the way in which you connect, and that is something that I think is really unique about radio, is about that capacity to really create um, an emotional, a visceral connection with, with, with people. So we have a really interesting opening panel, which we're going to kind of engage with. The way in which it's going to work mm -hmm. is I'm going to get a first set of questions going. Um, and then we'll see what else comes from any, any of you. We've got um, about, about an hour. I think we're going to have to be a little, quite tight on time because we are running slightly late. Um, uh, and we'll try and catch up, just to catch up some of that. Um, so I'd like to introduce on my immediately left, on my immediate left, Pearl Sokulu, who has a background in marketing and is our station manager for Vuma FM in Durban. Um, what is interesting about Vuma, of course, is, and I'm going to ask her about that, 
is what it's like to take on I think Zukozi is the biggest mm -hmm. the second biggest mm -hmm. station in the world right it's like the gorilla you know mm. and what it was like to take that on so that's going to be really interesting um next to her is uh, johan van rooyen who's general manager of radio strategy uh, we had hoped that kanyisile kweyama would join us um the chair of the interim board but unfortunately she had a, a family crisis which prevented her from coming so uh, but we're very grateful to johan for yeah. stepping in um and I think actually the area that you're responsible for is going to be particularly interesting. Um, and then finally there's Greg Maloka, who's general manager at Kaya. Um, I was looking kind of on various things online this morning and he described on LinkedIn, I think, YFM as his media university. For a moment I was utterly offended. <laughs> but it's an interesting statement, isn't it? I mean, how, how kind of encompassing some of those experiences can be. Mm. Um, so let me start uh, just by asking you all three, and I do want us to, be, to keep the links tight, right? I mean, we've, we, we, I think we get a better conversation if we speak, you know, if we make our points succinctly, and we'd really like to inv invite other people's input as well. But let me ask... Um, you all just to very quickly say a few things about what you think radio needs to do to be future tuned. Let's start with Pearl. Sure, I think that's quite a big question. And I don't know if it's easy to keep that link tight. Hmm. Um, you know, I think there are a couple of things. One of the things is, and I do think we're doing it, whether or not we're doing it quickly enough uh, is the question. But I think that it's really important for us to address the way that radio is being consumed um, and to make sure that we are providing the entertainment, the information, the content, etc., in a way that evolves together with our audiences. Um, it's something that we've touched on already, and I think that the example of the WhatsApp radio station is an excellent example of that. Nobody ever expected that cell phones would take off the way they have, and nobody ever expected that WhatsApp would be the phenomenon it is, and so many of the other social media, social media platforms. So I think that to be future-tuned in a very tight link, um, the first thing we have to do as radio operators is make sure that we are providing the content in a way that our audience is consuming content primarily and moving away from that traditional um, way of um, communicating with people. Cool, thank you. So really stay in touch with audiences who are moving quite fast, in fact. Johan, I mean, the SABC is a big operation. Mm. It must be really complicated to keep an eye on so many different audiences. Absolutely, and I think for me the vital component here is, a, um, and I agree with, with Paul, is a thorough understanding of your audience. What their needs are. Gone are the days of pushing content out there and hoping it will it will hit. Uh, you need to do a lot of qualitative research to really understand all the dynamics and what your audiences would like to to get from that content. Um, and I think the days are also gone of that uh, pushing the one-way uh, communication of of content because with social media you now find that two-way communication. Um, consumers are now also producing their own content, and you need to sort of bring that into the mainstream broadcast. Um, the, the rise of mobile, especially in South Africa, um, and where smartphones are going, is putting an another spin on it. So I agree that we have to package content in a way th the modern consumer will consume it. So you, you will, your content will have to um, stay, stay relevant as well as the broadcast medium and the way that you get your content to the consumer and that conversation. Thanks very much. So Johan makes the point, Greg, that one of the differences is that audiences are broadcasting themselves. How does that make a difference to you? Um, well, there's a couple of things. I think, uh, first, I, I'm, I'm obsessed with history. Um, so, you know, for, for any one of us to understand the future and be able to kind of tune to the future, it's always very important to understand the past. Um, and from a South African context, uh, our past is interesting in the sense that you have huge audiences that were missed. Uh, mm. No one was researching those audiences. 
no one was servicing those audiences. Um, and therefore, communication even to those audiences themselves um, uh, you know, has been quite uh, <laughs> um, you know, so, so if you look at advertising as, a, as an example, um, sorry. If, if you look at advertising as an example, um, you know, banks, for instance, only started talking to, you know, black middle class audiences 10 years ago. So one is to understand the past and how the past has influenced how, you know, we arrive at a point uh, we are at today for us to truly understand that if we are to close this gap for the future and be future tuned, um, at what point are we starting? So what is that benchmark? Because there's generally a tendency of, um, you know, looking at other benchmarks um, that are not relevant to the audience. So understanding of history and how audiences have evolved and where our benchmark is, um, you know, dictates where we need to move to. So, so history is one. Um, the second thing for me is, is understanding where you are. So, so from a Kaya point of view, for instance, we've, um, you know, we, we look at ourselves as not just a radio station, but, you know, you're a content business. So you've got to be able to say, um, you know, what parts are significant from my audience's perspective in terms of consumption, what channels are they tuned to, and is some of my content present in that space whilst I remain relevant from an FM perspective because that's kind of like your primary space. Um, so the ability to diversify the channels through which you disperse this content is also very important, but keeping the FM brand strong and alive even throughout those uh, particular channels. You said yesterday that uh, it was hard to imagine a couple of years ago that FM would be just one of the things that you do, and you've just kind of, in a sense, repeated that. Do you, do, what are the important channels for you? I mean, weighing up Twitter against WhatsApp, where, where, are the, where, where is your, most of your energy going in terms of building additional channels where people are? Um, okay, so 10 years ago when we had this conversation, um, you know, um, the, the dominant sort of uh, media channels were, were television. Uh, you know, you still had quite a very strong uh, printed medium, so magazines were quite big. Um, and, and the digital aspect was still kind of like, you know, your website. Yeah. Um, but very quickly, everything converged towards web, you know, the, the, the web environment and kind of moved into what is now called digital, um, which meant that the ideas that we had around taking some radio content onto television, for instance, could then very quickly and immediately, um, you know, be put on other channels and platforms like YouTube, for instance. Um, and we've done it quite successfully. I mean, we sit with, uh, you know, 23 million views of, you know, a lot of the content that we've generated out of our FM space, which is quite interesting given that, you know, stats say we have under a million listeners and you've got 23 million eyes viewing your content. So very interesting, you know, differences in those numbers, but I suppose, um, very important as well to say what audiences are requiring more of. So, yes, we want the stuff that you're doing on FM, but it's interesting for us to see it. Mm -hmm. um, so that visual aspect becomes uh, even more important for it. Okay. Um, Johan, I understand that you were, uh, up until not so very long ago, charged with developing a digital division for the SABC. I'm not going to ask you to kind of go into all the details of that, but let me ask it to you this way. If you were today asked in you know, a couple of words and sentences to say what should be the, the, what should the most important aspects of a digital strategy for the SABC be, what would you say? Most definitely social media. If you look at the growth of social media um, globally as well as in South Africa, Facebook is, or South, oh, Africa and South Africa is one of the biggest growth areas globally for Facebook. Uh, again, what, what Greg is saying, that visual component to take your brand um, to the consumer in that vis visual space becomes very important. YouTube as well, lots of successes. We've seen with television specifically that Twitter, Twitter and television uh, uh, content pairs very well. Um, and I think it's that uh, uh, 
the visual content of television is quite intense, but you can tweet, which is a shorter version of communication and to keep um, audience engagement, whereas with radio, the reverse is true. Facebook is the prominent choice for, for radio audiences. Um, podcasting, um, that for me is a definite must. Uh, the BBC is launching uh, drama series um, this year, um, podcast-only versions. So it just shows you how content is now living beyond the FM space um, on these platforms. So, yes, the website is always your brochure that you provide um, that showcase uh, the, the, the depth and breadth um, of your, of your um, service, but your interactions and the content should really go to, to your social spaces. Just to um, also say, Adam, to what Greg is saying, even on some of our commercial stations, it's like Five and Metro, you have communities. You might have people listening to FM only. Then you have a community only, only interacting with the brand via the social spaces. They might not even listen to the radio station. Then you have uh, communities following DJs via the social media spaces. So for me, those are the key elements to consider in a strategy for radio. And what does a digital strategy look like for, for Vuma? Well, I think, I mean, it's, again, it's a big question to answer very, very quickly, but I think there, there are a lot of um, different uses for, for digital and for social media um, in, in our environment. The fact of the matter is a lot of radio is still bought using very traditional uh, tools to evaluate what an advertiser will or will not um, buy. So I think that one of the, the kind of, um, one of the important ways to use digital actually as a radio station is to not so much use it to, you know, try to force audiences to watch radio. And by that I mean, it's one thing to put a web webcam into the studio and get people to just watch what they could have listened to. And that's not particularly entertaining. Um, I think, it, or certainly for three hours, it's not particularly entertaining as you watch the entire breakfast show when you could have just listened to it on the radio. So I think, you know, for us, it's about trying to use social media to create additional content. It's not just cutting and pasting what happened on air only. Um, and it's about looking at ways to use social media to drive audiences to your FM, you know, uh, so, so what I mean by that, for example, is whereas it's incredibly expensive to, um, uh, for example, go and uh, cut three versions of a commercial and put them on TV, it costs relatively little money um, in comparison to go and do um, the same campaign on Facebook, for example where you know you're going to be able to target your audience particularly well um, and boost that audience so that you can almost, not so much guarantee, I don't think you can ever guarantee um, the, the correct eyeballs, but you can certainly use the platform a lot more effectively than some of the traditional um, uh, platforms like TV um, to drive audiences using fresh, unique, different, custom content to create that interest in um, your, your radio station. So for us, I think that that's a big way um, uh, that we're going to be using social media going forward. So FM is the king, the others are helpers. I think we have a, you know, it's a, it's a real catch-22. We have audiences that are moving in a particular direction, and we have advertisers who are lagging. So you, you still, you know, one of the discussions we, heard, we had earlier on um, with Johan and with yourself, Prof, was about how, you know, we're still very fixated on um, punching, um, you know, certain filters into Telma or any program and, you know, waiting for the computer to spew out a, a solution of where we should place our advertising without paying any mind to environment, for example. So environment is behaving in a particular way. When I say environment, I mean the consumer, the end user, the consumer of the content is behaving in a particular way. But we're still fixated on buying media using this, you know, much uh, older traditional um, way of deciding where we should be and how we should be communicating with audiences. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I, I'd like to move the, the, the discussion quickly to the area of music. Um, you'll, you will have noticed on the program that we are expecting Chris Price, who is the head of music at, at BBC One. His flight got in this morning and we're hoping the Transport Connections brings him here at some point before the end of the panel. Um, Johan, I've got to ask, the 90%. Do you regret? Is that, I mean, is that long gone? I mean, was that a big mistake? I think people are focusing too much on the number. Um, yeah. SABC radio stations have already been <coughs> delivering way above the ICASA license conditions. Yeah. So uh, when, when, the, um, when the decision was taken to go 90%, I think it was a, a, a harsh decision and maybe pushing up the quota too quickly and too soon. Um, a staggered ap approach would have worked better, um, but I think audience response has been uh, varied. On our PBS radio stations, um, I don't know, uh, the, many of the guys uh, might be listeners to our PBS portfolio, during the FIFA World Cup in South Africa, we pushed 100% local content already. All the radio stations are doing so much on air and off air to develop talent in the industry already. So it, it's not really about that number anymore. Um, I think um, where we really saw an issue was um, with the commercial players. They, were format, or they, they have formats that were licensed in specific areas and due to a short supply of good quality content, um, you start seeing a recycling of content of certain genres due to the quota being so high. Mm. And you started seeing a fusion um, of these radio stations based on overlapping formats. Um, and that is exactly why Casa licensed them to be in the specific uh, genre areas, is to be that unique uh, provider mm. of specific content. So um, the reversal, uh, um, as everyone has noticed in the, in the, uh, the papers, is not really a major step for the SABC. It is just to, to take our stations back to where they should be from an ICASA license uh, point of view. But we will continue to provide top quality local content uh, like we've always done and continue with new initiatives. I think it's also pushed us to think out of the box. Um, how can we uh, employ other uh, avenues like your, your internet radio streaming um, as new channels to, to create uh, uh, platforms for, for local artists and content. So I think there's a big drive, but it needs to be an industry-wide drive. It can't be only the public broadcaster. The other broadcasters must assist with this mandate um, because it's all about local talent development and quality music for the industry. That's a very diplomatic answer. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. you guys put the 90% out there. So wasn't anybody else who put the number out there. <laughs> um, I cannot speak on behalf of the, 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 the other players. Um, this was an action in a specific time frame mm -hmm. which was taken and uh, like I said, there were already there were pros and cons. Um, even even on, uh, as, as we stand at the moment, um, our PBS portfolio probably benefited uh, uh, most from, from the directive because they have already been carrying so much local, local music and local content. I think People got too complacent uh, with international music. We sent a lot of money abroad um, with, with royalties and, and uh, payments, and we neglect the local industry. So um, I think if, if I can put the advice out there to the industry, really think about uh, uh, plans and actions to develop and showcase more of our local um, uh, talent. The SABC can do it, so can you. So for me, it's a given. It should be an industry approach not a segmentation of broadcasters. Craig, what's your percentage? Um, I actually don't keep don't uh, keep the exact numbers, but I think the the commitment generally, you know, uh, in broadcasting in South Africa is to perform way above um, what ICASA says. And, and that's the right way to do it. Um, you know, it's a, it's a gentle process, uh, especially if you, again, um, you know, moving from a history where you had 30 years ago, zero local content, um, you know, and then all of a sudden you want to run at 100%. There has to be um, a, you know, one, you've got to respect the audience. What does the audience want? But then you, you've also got to, 
take your role as you know uh, that person that inspires the audience to also look at other avenues and look at other um, factors and 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 you know how all of us can impact the local music uh, industry and I, we spoke about this even last year prof you'll remember that you know if if i take you back to our yfm days for instance um you know we were creating industries at a time when the percentage of local music was sitting at about 18 percent there was no such thing as local hip-hop we launched it at yfm there was no such thing as you know house music today the most sought after house music producer is a south african if you think about just how guaito exploded so all of those things um, you know, happened outside of discussions on quota and all those things. It was really commitment and strategy and a lot of thinking that went into, you know, how do you create these things, just not only in radio, but outside of radio. How do you, you know, create uh, platforms for people to perform? How do you create profiles for artists? You know, how do you help artists grow themselves as businesses? A lot of these artists would develop very quickly almost like winning the lotto, but if you don't understand how to manage yourself and manage your money, you know, those things don't necessarily work out. So it's, it's a much broader job, and I agree with, uh, uh, you know, uh, Johan, it's, it's much bigger and broader than it is, you know, almost kind of like focusing on growing the talent and creating hits. Okay, let me invite questions from elsewhere, points. I've got lots more, so I can keep going here, but... Uh, yeah, there's one over there. My question is um, directed to uh, the gentleman from Kaifem. Um, first of all, congratulations on your uh, recent uh, award. Thank you. How, how important is awards to a radio station like that? Well, they are important in, in that, um, you know, when you think of the radio awards, for instance, these are your peers that are scoring you, you know, um, and it, it it talks to uh, what people see your brand, um, you know, do. Uh, it, and I think, you know, it's, it, it also keeps you in line and in check, you know. It says to you, people are watching, people see the stuff that you do. Um, it also says you've got to strive to, um, you know, do more uh, and, 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 and just be better at what you do. You know, recognition is very important for any institution, any individual. Um, so, so they are important. Uh, they help also when, you know, you, you walk in, you know, in this crazy advertising world, um, you know, it's much easier to walk in and say, why are you not with the biggest commercial radio station? Just opens up the conversation quite easily. So it, it does help. It, it motivates the team internally. Everyone is amped, is excited. Uh, you know, you now don't want to let go of that particular title and so forth. So it really does well for the morale of the team, uh, but just the overall positioning of the station. Plus they look nice on the walls. <laughs> <laughs> Nadia. I'm just interested because obviously all traditional platforms are making sure they have an online presence. And I think Paul already said it's not about, you know, sitting and watching a person in a booth. How do you make specific content to only live online? And what is that? Um, we are, um, sorry Prof, I just jumped in there, but we are, we are packaging specifically uh, for, for online now. In fact, two things are important. The one is, um, you know, much like the discussion around local music, we also have to start focusing on, um, you know, the, the ability to develop local platforms, so from a digital perspective. So this reliance on YouTube, for instance, is, is ridiculous because it actually does very little for, you know, uh, content uh, creators anywhere outside of the States um, or, or, or markets where it's, it you know, can be used properly. So, so that's the first thing, um, which opens up a whole industry now of developers, of coders and so forth, and guys who can develop specific platforms that talk to a South African uh, market. And then the next thing is the, the creation of content that now starts to service these particular markets. So when you have, 
local companies with local servers and so forth, the speed is quick, access is much faster and, and, and responsive to where you are. Um, the content then is the next thing that becomes uh, relevant. I mean, one of the most important things that we've found with us is, you know, some individuals, for instance, I'll use John Pullman as an example. You know, he's a, a well-known, well-respected journalist. He's uh, an interviewer of note. But there's certain things that he's passionate about that people don't know, uh, like football uh, and development of football. Uh, and, you know, what does he like from a music perspective? I mean, we did an interview with him and, and Black Coffee once, which was a much more revealing for John than it was, you know, for Black Coffee in a sense. So you start to pick all of these different, you know, facets of the very people who are sitting on the FM platform and say, well, here's interesting stuff that we're just going to put on a digital environment. So all of a sudden, you know, out of the very uh, FM platform, you're able to, you know, take out other parts and, you know, create natively for, for, uh, for, for a digital environment, which makes for a very interesting, um, um, uh, you know, packaging, if you like. Your listener gets to know you over time um, and starts getting interested in other facets of you. If you're not creating other places for them to experience those things, you know, what is it that... Um, you know, Khomuza and Dumiso do when they're not on air. You know, uh, she you know, is also in television production. What's that side of her like? And, and how are those particular stories being told? All of those things are great opportunities for, for any of us. Paul, you said you package specifically for, for online. What kind of things? So, for example, one of the things that we will be launching is, um, I touched on it slightly now, was... Um, creating um, what we would normally call, for example, a TV campaign um, and putting that um, onto social media. Another one would be taking something like a local talent search um, and putting that on social media, whether it be music or uh, whatever. We're not going to dedicate 20, 50, 100 hours um, on radio to to finding local talent. You cannot do that. You can do it, though, on social media, and you can get uh, this kind of uh, a crowd of people to support and back particular um, you know, artists or whatever it is um, on social media. You can get a conversation going on social media in a way that you actually can't do on FM. Um, but I just, I'm going to be very cheeky, Prof, if you don't mind, because I, I just have to put my two cents in um, about... Uh, the 90%. May I do that? Yeah. I was hoping you would. I know you, I know you have strong views on it. So. <laughs> I am very passionate about it. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's a tragedy how colonized we are and how colonized our thinking is. It, it, it's so... Um, let me not get too passionate. <laughs> it, is, it is very sad to me that there has been such an enormous uproar at the thought of supporting local music and local content. I'm horrified. I, you know, it, it's, to me, when we think about the fact that we send 80% of our royalties back to the United States and Europe, while our artists starve in South Africa... And I'm not suggesting that we should treat these things as a charity. Quality is important. But how do you develop quality if you don't invest in it? So to me, I don't really think Beyonce needs our money. <laughs> not more than our local artists do. Um, but I also would love to see a day when, you know, can we imagine a day when the United States sends 80% of their royalties to... Africa even, not just South Africa. It's not going to happen. The second thing that I must say is that, you know, people consume what you teach them to consume sometimes. And if over a 10, 20, 30 year period, you haven't exposed them to local music, then where do they develop that taste? Where do they get exposed to that variety um, of local music if we are not the ones who are going to do it. Something that is 
Um, so what I'm saying is if you teach a child to listen to Rihanna as opposed to Amanda Black, they will develop a particular taste. It's just human nature. But another thing, you know, the third thing that um, I think sometimes we don't, we don't consider is that a lot of the record companies, the distributors, are not South African. And it's not really actually in their interest to push South African music. So you will find that if Asha releases an album and, you know, uh, it's, it's a toss-up between um, a record label pushing the new Asha versus Zeke's Mandrin in um, another country in Africa, not just South Africa. The mentality is, well, Zeke's is a local artist. We're going to sell a lot more Asha albums in Ghana than we are going to Zeke's Bandwini albums. So our artists are being kind of caged and considered only local. They're only good enough for the local market. They don't get pushed, even in the rest of our own continent. So when do they ever blow up on the big international scene? We have a handful of artists who have been given that platform, but a wealth of talent that is literally being held captive because they are considered only good for the local market as defined by record labels, which are not even South African uh, record labels. So for me, the whole 90% was an incredible revolution. And in spite of many other, I admit, we all admit, strange decisions <laughs> that have been taken by the broadcaster, I, for one, am very supportive of what was an incredibly brave move to start to make South Africans pay attention to our own music, our own industries, and our own people in a way that, as I explained to you, nobody else is going to do. So if we're not doing it, then who will? Okay, thank you. I mean, that's uh, clear and very direct uh, input on the question. It's about the money, it's about teaching people to listen differently. Um, any responses from here or from, from the floor? I'd, we are kind of running out of time, but this is obviously a, a critical and interesting point. I'd, I'd like to take um, Tawana and then Johanna. Yeah? Is there a. Uh, just speak loudly, I'm sure you're. Okay, yeah, okay. And I think that for Felix, your arguments are very, very interesting. And they have a historical precedent elsewhere on the continent. So uh, people know of Zahirian musicians, but they're called Yoruba musicians. Only way those guys got to be famous was mm -hmm. that dictator Mobutu Sesesefo synthesis 100% and those guys then made it on the big stage. Mm -hmm. They are now unfortunately based in France and not in the Congo mm -hmm. because the rest of the environment was not supportive. Mm -hmm. That's the key. So there is a historical precedent for doing that on mm -hmm. the continent. Then let's go to the US. If you look in the long history of the US, how mm -hmm. US music became dominant. Mm. was that the radio stations had tough local content regulations mm. which developed the US music industry. Mm. And then out of that base and critical mass, they could then export and conquer the rest of mm. the world. Now, I think that the issue there, which, which is what we're trying to say diplomatically, is how do you issue an instruction like that or a policy like that and make it sustainable? Mm. Right? Because if you don't, then it will backfire the other way. <coughs> Johan? Yeah, maybe just to add, um, coming back to the local industry and the development thereof, um, let's take the Metro Music um, Awards as a flagship property to showcase and reward local talent in South Africa. It has uh, been one of the flagship events of the station over the years. It's developed new talent. It's rewarded new talent. We've seen new artists being developed in the local space as a result of the Metro Music Awards. It's a really sought-after award uh, um, to, to receive on the night. 
So we took that concept and we rolled it out to, to other platforms. There's the uh, Sitonga Music Awards. So there's the Coral um, Music Awards that the SVC is very active in. It's all initiatives beyond the, 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 the broadcast, where the, broad, uh, where the public broadcaster plays a role in, in um, developing and stimulating growth in the local industry. So I think uh, that for me is just another level beyond your normal broadcast where you can uh, sustain uh, or create a sustainable, sustainable industry. Because uh, again, if you take the Metro Music Awards and uh, you take it to Durban, we pump so much money into the economy. We make use of local service providers uh, um, from, from uh, uh, less privileged uh, uh, communities to also bring um, upliftment in, in that space. So there's tremendous spin-offs beyond just the music part of it. Yeah. There's the entire week build-up where we go from small town to village and do um, broad outside broadcast. So bringing money as well as exposure to these communities and promoting tourism. Okay. Um, there are a couple of hands I saw. Um, Ashraf Garda and Professor Kwame Karikari from Ghana. Ashraf and then Kwame. Yes. Hi, my name is Ashraf Garda, talk shows on SFM Radio. So music is maybe less what I'm connected to. The point that you made, I think, is telling around 90% of how colonized our minds are. So the question to all three of you then would be, what is the 90% the, the music, foreign music love that we normally have? What's that equivalent in talk show radio? Okay, let's hold on to that question and let's get responses from you in a minute. Uh, yes, uh, Kwame? Okay, good, good point, question. Um, I'm going to take a round and then I think I'll allow you to respond in order to wrap up. We are running a bit of time and I'd like to, to, to draw this to a close. Yes, one more. Greetings, my name is Siko from Radio Politics. Question as like my sister was speaking and Ashraf came to mind what makes us to be distinctly African in the manner we broadcast or conduct our radio? I'm asking that question in the context of what we are listening to, basically. <laughs> Bouncing from one station to another. It would be very interesting to find out, as South African radio, what makes us to be truly African or truly South African radio? If I go to Europe today, would I hear a different sound from what we are hearing here? And if we are not distinctly African or South African in our radio, what could be done that we, are, we begin to tell our own stories and, and, and play our own music and create our own sound? Thank you for those. Some very interesting questions. Let me um, start with Pearl. So the three questions before us. What is the equivalent in talk of, the, of a 90% local content rule? Second question was around uh, news from the rest of the continent. Third question was a more general question. What makes us distinctly African? Um, I'm, I'm not sure how to answer what the equivalent in news content is with the 90% because, um, you know, I think it, it varies from station to station. Um, but what, as a provincial radio station, um, and I'm not sure, Ashraf, if I'm going to answer your question, um, uh, you know, the way that you, you need me to, but certainly as a provincial radio station, I think that in that context, it's, it's critical for us to, to focus on local. 
Because people are more interested actually in whether or not their immediate environment is a threat versus what's happening in Argentina. Any person. Uh, you know, they want to know whether the sky is going to fall down around them today. Um, and we're all t touched, obviously, by uh, Syria and uh, a terrorist attack in, in Europe, etc. But, but to be really honest, um, uh, people are more affected by whether or not something has happened in Joburg. Um, and then after that, within their own country. So I think by virtue of that, we tend to collect news that is locally relevant first. And I think that we, in that particular instance, it becomes less um, uh, pressing to create these quotas of how much local content must be created when it comes to news. To the extent that for us, um, you know, just our network of stringers locally um, is so vast that um, every bulletin has to carry a uniquely local story that could not and would not have been uh, broadcast by uh, a national broadcaster. Because, you know, if I'm living in Umlazi or Guamashu or uh, Phoenix or any other township of uh, in Newlands in, in, in KZN or Durban um, and I get uh, um, I, I get uh, an update of something um, you know whether it's police brutality or the killing of a local councillor or whatever it is that has happened close to me that is far more relevant to me and so that's why we want to be there on the ground Thanks. Do you, um, uh, Johan? Can I maybe um, speak on uh, the, the topic of what makes us so unique as our African radio stations? I think it goes back to the cultures that we serve, the language groups that we serve, and the way we deliver content in that uniquely diff uh, uh, succinct format that speaks to the heart, mind, and soul of the communities that we address via our platforms. Just to give you an example, SFM has a, a small um, a little community a radio station called XKFM in Platfontein in the Northern Cape. It serves a community of just over 5,000 uh, um, individuals from the Kru and the Kwedam uh, um, sand communities. That station is so unique. There is no content that you can take from any other radio station and replicate it on that brand because it is a very poor and a very traditional uh, um, community. But the way we managed to create a, a, a service for them was to, to bring them on board. So um, get artists that can start writing uh, um, uh, uh, drama series for the communities. Um, get artists to do some of the traditional music that we can record and keep in the archives of the, um, of the national uh, broadcaster. So I think for me it is, it's all those distinctness that you will get. Um, it's our local music. It is the language that we serve these communities in, and it's also the mandate that we serve, the education, uh, the programs that we uh, um, develop to, to address the mandate issues that makes us um, succinct and completely unique from the commercial stations that you can take uh, and replicate all around the world. Thank you. Greg? Um, Prof, there are a number of things that are very uh, critical in, in this instance. Um, in my view, uh, the one is we don't have a platform or space where there's conversation around, as South Africans, what do we want for our country? So if there was that kind of an environment, then all of us would understand what our role is in that big picture. So let's look at big picture stuff for, as, as one example. Um, and then what do we want, and how do we see our role on the continent, and, and how do we play that role, right, is a, another conversation that needs to be had. We generally sit and, and sort of talk about, oh, these are the things that we are doing, you know, almost like we want to look better than the others. It is in our interest that the SABC works. I'm a shareholder at the SABC. You know, it's a public broadcaster. As a, member of the public, it's in my interest 
you know, irrespective of the fact that I work at a commercial radio station, it is important that the public broadcaster is a strong public broadcaster and to the extent that one can contribute at whatever level um, and, and make that work, we have to, and we have to be prepared to do those things. Um, you know, it's a national duty. It's got nothing to do with my employment, you know. Um, that attitude for me is important. It's important to engage and challenge advertisers, okay, because advertisers as well are, you know, we talk about record companies being international. Well, a lot of our advertisers are international advertisers. You know, a lot of our advertising agencies, you know, get their mandates from, you know, a WPP or, or a publicist who don't sit in, in Africa. Uh, and those decisions are made, you know, based on, you know, where is our biggest rev share on what and therefore how do you, you know, splice and dice revenue globally. So if within a very small market we further divide ourselves, right? I mean, take Kaya, for instance. You know, we sort of belong to a number of groups but to none. You know, kind of like that type of child. Um, so, which makes you a standalone radio station, right? There's no one sitting in New York, for instance, you know, thinking about advertising in, you know, South Africa or, or, or on the continent, getting excited about Kaya. They don't even know a small station like Kaya at that level. They're asking who are the big media groups and what size of the market are they controlling. And therefore, you know, that's how some of these decisions cascade. Now, the fact that we're not having a South African and an African conversation allows us to be further polarized, right? And therefore, we, we, we never find mechanisms of creating platforms and spaces where we can have a conversation about South African music as radio stations generally. So forget what, you know, what we mandated to do or the things that we're supposed to do. You know, if, if you had to shut down Hollywood for a week, you know, the U.S. economy understands the impact that would have on the you know, entire country. We don't have that mentality. So how do we create you know, a space that starts to um, talk about the interests of the continent, the interests of you know, our country? It will then impact how you, you know, talk on news for specific local spaces. You know, how many you know, uh, talk radio stations do you need? Because you're not just looking at yourself. You're looking at what is the need. Do we need to have these ones as hybrid radio stations or does it actually make better sense to create music stations that cater for these audiences and you know, uh, talk stations that cater for those particular audiences? Those have to be conversations that are being had by everyone. I don't know what that forum is. Maybe, Prof, uh, because you put together these commissions and things. <laughs> you know, uh, you, you, can, you can work another task team. But that conversation is important. That conversation is important in a sense that if, if I, for instance, and I think it's a dangerous place to be in, by the way, um, if, if I don't understand what my marching orders are and not necessarily from my chairman, but from my country, if I don't understand what those are, we're in trouble. Then all I'll do is want to commercially succeed because that's how I'm being measured. Mm -hmm. you know? uh, and that's not healthy. Mm. Thank you very much. I think we need to draw this to a close. Um, I'm sure the discussion will continue over tea and over, over the coming couple of days. Um, uh, what I'm hearing you emphasize in actually in, 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 the, in the three final comments that you were making is how strong radio is at a local level and in a way of servicing particular communities. Mm. But actually, as South Africans, and maybe that is part of an answer to your question, is we don't really have a national radio platform. Um, because even at the SABC, it falls into different language groups and mm. so on. Um, I think um, uh, Kwame's question was not really addressed. I mean, my quick answer is, I think our coverage of the rest of the continent, both in radio and in other media, is really poor. Um, it relies very heavily on big international, mostly Western news agencies. Um, but, you know, we're famously isola uh, you know, isolated. Yeah. Um, and our relationship with the rest of the continent is not great um, in all sorts of ways. But we can take that discussion further offline. Um, I want to thank you very much. Uh, we could have continued a long way. I mean, and the intention of this first discussion really is to open up topics. So it does range 
far and wide. It touches on a range of different things, from new media to music content to identity in a way, um, and that's fine. Over the next couple of days, we'll kind of hone in on some of those topics um, in different sessions. Um, we'll move fairly quickly, I think, into the next set of sessions. Um, let me just uh, alert you to what those are. Um, so, in this, in this venue, we have Content is King with uh, J.D. Mostert. In track two, we have podcasting, a podcasting session with Brad Brown. And in track three, we'll talk about playlisting. Um, uh, so those will follow, you know, pretty much immediately, and we'll try and catch up more of the time um, as, the t as, the, as the morning goes on. I realize that we're, we're behind time. I also need to just alert you to the fact that the session maximizing um, your music scheduling has had to be put off because of illness and is now due to take place tomorrow. We'll announce the exact time. Um, I also really want to alert you to the welcome event this evening where we'll chill out with some music and some drinks and this and that. I really hope that you are able to stay for that. And finally, just to remind you, tweet early, tweet often. The hashtag is there. Thank you very much. It's been a good start. Uh, let's move straight into the next sessions. Thank you.